get your free audio gift, The Three Pillars of Achieving Your Perfect Weight Using the Mind-Body Connection, go to healthymindfitbody.com and enter your first name and email address, and we'll send that to you right away. Welcome, everyone, to the Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is episode number 30, and I'm Kevin, and Wes is on the other line. Hey, Wes, how's it going? Pretty good, Kev. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. You're, uh, what, about uh, 20 yards away from me today? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the mobile podcasting thing today because I was uh, out and about, and I thought I'd just swing by your place and pilfer some of your Wi-Fi. Yeah, and record this show in the truck. So good times. Yeah, good times. A little May gray due to weather reporting for you. It's uh, May gray out here, even though it's uh, still April. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer when the May gray and the June gloom hit, but um, Mm -hmm. you know we deal with it. One of the horrible things of living by the beach in Southern California, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. It just kind of like zaps my motivation a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's like once you get out there, it's not that bad. It's not like it's freezing cold or anything. It's just uh, there's just the sun isn't out. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, if you go inland just uh, a few miles, it's clear blue sky typically. So that's the way it goes on the coast. It's just kind of what they call a marine layer. But uh, it certainly doesn't impede doing the stuff on the beach. I think we're going to do some sprints tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Get a little group together and do some sprinting right about noon. You betcha. So yeah, that should be good times. As long as no one gets injured and everybody warms up and... Yep, the warm-up thing. I remember that. Yeah, some guy <laughs> kind of strained his hamstring a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be me. I think I'm back in shape now. I don't feel any soreness anymore, so I should be okay. Cool. Good stuff. So we've been basically gone for an extra week. We took a little hiatus, kind of working on our website stuff, but we're back on track. Back on track. Yeah, we'll be back to the weekly thing now. And uh, it sounds like that's what people want, so we're going to mm-hmm. give them what they want. Absolutely. Maybe a little bit shorter shows. I don't know. We've always been shooting for 10 minutes, but you know how it goes. We start talking about stuff and uh, one thing leads to another and we're like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then some of our interviews go into like 40 minutes, which I think is good because it's nice to get information from other people too. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to say on these topics. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been going a continuing series on the six pillars of self-esteem and how that relates to weight loss and health and fitness and so forth. And the last one we covered was the practice of self-responsibility. And this one is the practice of self-assertiveness. Yeah, and when we first talked about this, we were both saying, ah, there's nothing much to say on that. We'll be done in like five minutes. Yeah, basically, you're able to say yes when you want to say yes and no when you want to say no. What's hard about that? Yeah, it's so simple. But uh, when you look at it and you look into it, there's a lot involved with self-assertiveness. And I was actually thinking about it, how in-depth self-assertiveness is. And um, I wrote down a few things and realized that there's different facets of it. And there's also like a misunderstanding out there of what assertiveness really means. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that when they think of the word assertive, they think of aggressive. Yeah. And so it's like, it's almost a negative, you know, it's almost a negative word. And I thought about like our podcast and, and our book and our website and what, what are we really asking people to do when we give them the information? Like the information about nutrition, it's completely out of the box. It's not what the mainstream is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have to be assertive to understand or to accept what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's the takeaway and then there's the follow through. And the self-assertiveness would be the follow through. And it does take a bit of independence and, you know, thinking for yourself and 
working on what you want to, you know, the health and fitness aspects of your life that you maybe you've been putting off or not so sure of. And perhaps there's people in your life that aren't very receptive to this message. And maybe they want to see you stuck in the status quo because they're fearful of change too. So all that requires a healthy self-centeredness, if you will, a basically self-assertive framework where you're able to figure out what you want and go about pursuing that. As Brandon says here, it does not mean belligerence or inappropriate aggressiveness. It does not mean pushing to the front of the line or knocking other people over. It does not mean upholding my own rights while being blind or indifferent to everyone else's. It simply means the willingness to stand up for myself, to be who I am openly, to treat myself with respect in all human encounters. It means the refusal to fake my person to be liked. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the equation, he says self-assertiveness means honoring my wants, needs, and values and seeking appropriate forms of their expression in reality. Right. So that means you know, basically following through on the information that we've talked about and we have in the book and so forth, and keeping focused on those goals that you set for yourself. Otherwise, it becomes unactualized. You know, all the thoughts and values that you have never really find themselves in reality. Yeah. And even if that means looking things up, I mean, if some of the stuff we talk about, like the the, the controversial stuff, like saturated fat is good. Well, if that doesn't make sense to you and if you think it's wrong, um, an assertive action would be to look it up, you know, look into it a little bit more instead of either just dismissing it or just simply accepting it on faith. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect. And then the other thing that I've noticed with a lot of people in terms of diet and other aspects of life, but uh, just let's talk specifically about nutritional choices is the uh, idea of selective assertiveness. So they come across as really assertive in some areas of life. Like let's say their job, they're known as being really assertive and they, they really assert themselves at work and they ask for raises and they move ahead in whatever uh, business they're in. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to another aspect of life, like let's say diet, suddenly it's like they're not assertive at all. And they're just, uh, everything is just like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, I'll just go with the flow and do what everyone else is doing. And then they're not at their perfect weight. They're not at the fitness level that they like. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there wondering why. And it may be, you know, one example I could think of is eating the food that someone else puts in front of you or eating the food that someone else cooks for you. Right. And, you know, basically out of a certain level of politeness, you don't want to speak up and say, actually, this isn't the healthiest thing to be eating, right? Yeah. I learned about this or you're curious about a different way of looking at, you know, how we could be eating the wrong foods or structure it so we could eat better foods that can be just as tasty. You know, like to assert yourself in that context can be hard too because family environments are notorious for this kind of thing, right? Everybody gets stuck in this rut of eating all the junk food and the bad meals become repetitious. Yeah, and then the group, we've talked about this in the past, but the idea of uh, going out and eating with a group, I mean, that's tough. I mean, last night I was actually at a friend's going away party. Pizza? Uh, beer? Oh, uh, <laughs> beer, yes, definitely beer. No, it was a bar and grill down here in La Jolla, and there was uh, a lot of appetizers being ordered, nachos, and you know, the typical stuff, wings and all that. And, um, you know, I wasn't asking for appetizers, so I didn't eat any. And uh, for most people, I think that's really hard to do is just sit there and just not eat it. You know, I wasn't part of that decision, so I wasn't partaking in that. And then pitchers of beer. You know, we don't just order our own drinks. It's pitchers of beer. So, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pressure there. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to have two, three, four beers because everyone else is, and there's another pitcher on its way. So you got to drink. So, uh, but you know, I did my thing. I just had one Guinness and I ordered a cheeseburger mm-hmm. and I took out part of the bun and it was all good. I skipped the tater tots. 
So yeah, that definitely requires an act of self-assertion. As Brandon says here, to practice self-assertiveness logically and consistently is to be committed to my right to exist, which proceeds from the knowledge that my life does not belong to others and that I am not here on earth to live up to someone else's expectations. Yeah, that's, that's really important. So yeah, to many people, this is a terrifying responsibility. It means their life is in their own hands. It means that mother and father and other authority figures cannot be counted on as protectors. It means they are responsible for their own existence and for generating their own sense of security. Not fear of this responsibility, but surrender to the fear is the chief contributor to the subversion of self-esteem. Yeah. So I think that ties into uh, the whole, you know, living a healthy life pretty well because a lot of people do not live a healthy life. And, you know, there are these expectations, subtle or not so subtle, to kind of conform and toe the line, basically do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, and then he says here, individuation raises the specter of isolation to those who have not achieved it and do not understand that far from being the enemy of community, it is its necessary precondition. A healthy society is a union of self-respecting individuals. It is not a coral bush. Yes. So that goes right along with what we were talking about. And I have a question for you, Wes. Um, Mm -hmm. So would you say that curiosity is a form of self-assertiveness? I would say it definitely is. It's an active-minded perspective to figure out what is actually good for you and what isn't, and what is true and what is false. And so keeping an open mind to new possibilities and basically checking old premises. You know, a lot of people have this idea that the way that nutritionists and dietitians, for example, are teaching people how to eat and what to eat is basically the gospel. It's not to be questioned because they are the authorities. But if you're curious, you kind of go past that and you say, okay, so what exactly is the evidence? Is there anything countering what they are saying? And it's trying to falsify your present beliefs that is the hallmark of, you know, a scientific mindset. But uh, always having that curious frame of mind where you're looking at things from the perspective that, hey, this might not actually be all the truth or it may be false. So let's figure out what's what, basically. Yeah, I find it interesting that we've talked about the subject of nutrition is it can be inflammatory in mixed groups. Mm-hmm. and uh, Lead to food fights and stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we were throwing some tater tots last night. but There you go. Yeah, but uh, the other thing that happens is, you know, a lot of times people will ask me what I do and, you know, I'll, I'll mention this podcast, you know, Healthy Mind Fit Body. And then uh, I usually get questions after that, like, oh, what do you think about such and such? What do you think about this method of eating or this diet or this food or whatever. And then, of course, throughout the night, if there's food or drinks involved, there's always this like, oh, well, Kevin, what do you, what's your take on beer or whatever? And uh, the interesting thing is it's always kind of this initial curiosity, but then as soon as I give the answer, the curiosity just kind of goes away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, what happened? If they don't like the answer that I'm giving, it's like, oh, well, I've always done blank. And then that's kind of the final word on it. And it's not like they're like, oh, well, what could I do to, to change that? Or what do you think? It's just, that's it. That's the end of conversation. Status quo. And yeah. I'm just going to conform to my present beliefs and not listen to anything else really to uh, you know take it to heart. So that leads to this section where Brandon talks about some of the dynamics of this process. He says, finally, self-assertion entails the willingness to confront rather than evade the challenges of life and to strive for mastery. When we expand the boundaries of our ability to cope, we expand self-efficacy and self-respect. When we commit ourselves to new areas of learning, being curious, right? When we take on tasks that stretch us, we raise personal power. We thrust ourselves further into the universe. 
we assert our existence. When we are attempting to understand something and we hit a wall, it is an act of self-assertiveness to persevere. When we undertake to acquire new skills, absorb new knowledge, extend the reach of our mind across unfamiliar spaces, when we commit ourselves to moving to a higher level of competence, we are practicing self-assertiveness. I think that encompasses a whole lot, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. And this goes, I mean, if you want to go beyond just the kind of nutrition and, and fitness realm, it has a lot to do with relationships too, because if you're not assertive within your relationships, then bad things happen, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. and it's tough because a lot of people are, you know, they think they're being assertive, but when it comes down to it, they're not asserting their needs and wants within whatever relationship it is. And that causes a lot of problems because, you know, time can go by and if someone's not being assertive and they're not getting what they want, then that eventually is going to come out. And that's going to cause a lot of problems down the road. Yeah, and it's important to stay focused on what matters for you rather than what matters for other people. Right. Because that's just going to throw you off track. And those other people may not be so curious and they may not be so willing to you know, improve themselves. So as Brandon says here, if I express myself, I may evoke disapproval. If I love and affirm myself, I may evoke resentment. If I am too happy with myself, I may evoke jealousy. If I stand out, I may be compelled to stand alone. They remain frozen in the face of such possibilities, they being people who don't assert themselves in these ways. And they pay a terrible price in loss of self-esteem. So, Yeah. I mean, just doing this podcast, we have to conjure up quite a bit of self-assertiveness because we're not just towing the mainstream line of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it is outside the box, but... We're not going to be on Oprah anytime soon. (laughs) Wait a minute. Uh, Maybe Dr. Phil. Oh, Dr. Phil, you think so? I don't know. He's written a a diet book, I think. Um, Or is it a hair loss book? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How to lose hair? How to lose hair and keep your pot belly. I (laughs) I think he's doing okay as far as in shape, but I'm sure he doesn't recommend the things we do. I think he's probably stuck on the caloric theory of weight loss and fat is bad and stuff like that. I'm not sure. So we'll hold out for maybe the the guy from Dr. Phil show to contact us. Yeah, I think that's coming probably any day now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, what we do have is a few, uh, an email and a comment from listeners who want to go over towards the end of the show, huh? Yeah, yeah. The comment came in on the blog. So uh, let's see, I wrote a blog post back in... February, I guess. End of February? End of February, yeah. One of your many blog posts, but this one was <laughs> a little while back and you got a comment on it, right? Yeah, it's called Eating Healthy in Busy Times. And um, this comment is from April. And she says, Hi, I love your guys' blog and podcast show. You both ask such great questions. I have been super busy, too, working 11-hour days on a bunch of stuff that's due. Hmm. I have also missed workouts, but I have resisted the temptation to get carry out. I guess that's like takeout. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm so tired when I get home, I still make dinner. And I find that I still have energy to work the next 11-hour day. Smiley face. Right on. So Must be getting enough sleep then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about this 11-hour day stuff. I told her that it might be healthier to at least try to make that a temporary situation because 11-hour days for a long period of time, I think, is not so healthy. Mm-hmm. I used to work 12-hour days once, 35 days in a row. Wow. And uh, that was a construction job over in Oregon, actually, running an excavator all day long. Uh, I think I sweated like 10 pounds off me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that's insane. I don't think I've ever done anything like that. Yeah, it wasn't that good. So it's good to get enough sleep, definitely, even if you're working long days. But also stay on track and uh, make sure you're getting the right food and nutrients and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we had another email come in. This one's from Marcy. Mm-hmm. And she says, Kevin, just curious what you eat during your training for long running or triathlon events. I'm a sugar-addicted triathlete trying to break my addiction by incorporating much of your advice given in your podcast, which I love. But I'm used to eating cliff shot blocks and energy gels and Gatorade during training and racing. And I'm thinking that this isn't going to be productive as I change my diet and lifestyle. Any suggestions? Thank you. And thanks for all the great podcasts that make my commute enjoyable and educational each day. I'm glad, Marcy, that you're uh, fitting us in on your schedule and listening to us on your commute and using your time wisely. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that the cliff shot blocks don't have... Uh any fat or protein in them do they <laughs> no they're they're pure sugar i think they use the what is it brown rice syrup i, I used to eat those uh-huh they're not sugar but brown rice syrup which is just another sugar yeah carbohydrates get converted to glucose in your bloodstream so right so supposedly they have a lot of electrolytes in them so they sort of have like a salty taste so sugary mm-hmm. salty taste therefore endurance events where you're doing a lot of sweating so, I mean, I haven't quite finished my email back to her, but first of all, those are all just pure carbohydrates, cliff shot blocks, energy gels, and Gatorade. Yeah. So eating all three, you're really going to shoot your insulin levels up. Um, when you're racing, it's acceptable to eat extra carbs and those electrolytes are going to help you. But for the most part, for training, it's going to shoot your insulin levels up and these carbohydrates are going to actually just turn into fat. So unless you're on like a really long training ride or a run, I would stay away mostly from those types of uh, quote-unquote nutrition because it's not actually something that you need at the time. And there's a guy named uh, Jonas Colting who I interviewed on my other podcast, Try Swim Coach, mm-hmm. and he's a pro triathlete and he's 37 years old. He's been racing since like the early 90s and doing Ironmans and ultra Ironmans and these crazy distance races. Hasn't worn himself out yet? <laughs> no, I mean, it's amazing because he switched to low carb uh, like 10 years ago. There you go. And so he's been able to keep going and, and he has a lot of energy and uh, he looks young. And he says, what he does is he says, train low, race high Yeah. as far as carbohydrates. So stick to the low carb eating when you're training. But yeah, when you're out on the race, there is a need for extra carbs. But I would say all three of these combined is just way overkill. And all your endurance athletic activities are going to entail the fat burning. So the more fat you eat, the better it's going to be. I remember Barry Sears saying that the athletes he was working with would get up to like 65% of calories from fat, yeah, which is a great way to go because you're keeping your insulin levels on an even keel there. Whereas with the carbs, you're spiking it all the time, basically. Yeah. And you kind of, when you start training with all that stuff, it's almost like you become sort of addicted to it where you just need more and more and more. And you're eating it constantly when you're training. You have a Gatorade before your training event, and then you'll throw down some cliff shot blocks. And then maybe halfway through, you know, have some energy gels. And I mean, you get back and you're just going to be either wiped out or you're craving carbohydrates and eating even more. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not a good cycle to get in. Well, so thanks for the, uh, the emails and comments. Keep them coming. If you have any questions, or comments about the show, you can do that after a blog post or after the show notes to our podcast too. Yeah, and our email address is info at healthymindfitbody.com. Mm-hmm. We have a contact page there. 
And then to pick up your free audio, you can go to the website, as was mentioned at the beginning of the show, healthymindfitbody.com, and you can just throw in your name and email address, and we'll send you the bonus audio that uh, basically covers the three pillars by which we talk about this mind-body connection, weight loss, and fitness, and so forth. I think that's it for the show. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.